Okay, we are continuing our study of the covenants, and we have come now to chapter 11 in our book. Uh, and you'll notice it's entitled, Christ, Our Perfect King. And so this chapter uh, and the next deal with the subject of the Davidic covenant. Now, we have seen that Christ is our mediator. We've seen that he is our sacrifice. We've seen that he is our priest. We've seen that he is our prophet. Now we see that he is our king. And we understand all of these roles and all of these offices that he has and the functions he performs in terms of the covenants and the substance and provisions that they contain. And so you'll never understand Christ without understanding the covenants. Now there's a book that was written, I think by O. Palmer Robinson called The Christ of the Covenants. And it's Pado Baptist, don't recommend it, but I like the title a lot. <laughs> and who is Christ? He is the Christ of the covenants. And without understanding the covenants, you don't understand the Christ as you should. Uh, because he is the fulfillment of all of the covenants. He is the ark of safety from the flood of God's wrath, right? Okay. And he is the mediator between God and man. Um, he's the priest. He's the prophet. He is the king. And all of these offices of Christ are understood uh, in terms of the Old Testament and the descriptions it gives of him in the covenants as they unfold. Now, today we're going to talk about the Davidic covenant. And I'm going to depart substantially from our book as I teach through this, because I think that our book, uh, while it does an adequate job, um, I don't like the way it develops the subject, so I'm going to develop it a little differently, okay? So what we want to do is we want to just survey through the scriptures and talk about uh, what they have to say in relationship to the Davidic covenant. Now, you all know who David is, right? David was the second king that Israel ever had. The first king was Saul, and he was um, demanded by the people sinfully in that they wanted to rely on a human king instead of relying upon God himself. And while the Bible clearly told us that there was uh, going to be a king over God's people, they wanted one for the wrong reason. And so because they wanted it for the wrong reason... Um, so that they could be like the nations around them and so their king could fight their battles for them. And basically they wanted to put their reliance and trust in a human figurehead like the nations around them did. That was where the sin lie in their asking for a king. Um, God had made it clear um, in, uh, in the book of Genesis as well as uh, in the book of Deuteronomy that uh, Israel was going to have a king and that God intended for her to have a king and that he shouldn't multiply to himself wives or chariots or horses and all of those things. Um, so it's not that God didn't want Israel to have a king. Uh, it's that they asked for a king for the wrong reason. And so they got a, a, a wrong king. They got Saul. And of course, we know that he went apostate and uh, he died a lost man. Um, went and consulted witches and ultimately committed suicide. Um, after a whole string of repeated defiances and disobediences to God. Um, but then God raised up his king, the man after his own heart, who was David. 
And uh, you remember he was a sheep herder and he was taken uh, by Samuel and uh, anointed at, at the direct, uh, um, with the direct guidance of God, anointed as the next king over Israel. Now, it took him quite a long time to actually obtain the throne of the United Kingdom, but he did. And uh, this is the man that we're talking about then, um, is, is King David. So let's look then in our Bibles, please, at 2 Samuel chapter 7. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now, by the time we get to 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, David has um, become uh, the king of the United Kingdom, uh, Israel and Judah, the, the, the northern and southern tribes have all rallied around him. Uh, he's defeated all of his enemies and he gets an idea. And the idea he gets is, I'm going to build a house for God. All right. So notice 2 Samuel 7, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass when the king, that's King David, sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tents, within curtains. Okay, So here I am living in this beautiful house, and, 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 and the, uh, the ark of God, which is where the presence of God dwelt among his people, was, was, was in a tent in the tabernacle. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. It says, Go build the house. But, verse 4, it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. And in all the places wherein I have walked with the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also, the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall I not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. 
Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Now, from verse 12 to verse 17 is the Davidic covenant. Now, when you look at that section, God made some wonderful promises to David. And we're going to look at exactly what those promises are in a few minutes. But you look at that and you say to yourself, wait a second. You've taught us that a covenant is an oath sworn promise. And there is no swearing of any oath in this passage. How can this then be the Davidic covenant? The word covenant isn't used. There's no swearing of an oath. There's just a string of promises here. How can this be a covenant? Well, what's important for us to understand is that when we read a passage of Scripture, not everything that transpired at that point in time is necessarily recorded in that passage. And sometimes as you keep on reading the Bible, it will add details later on about what happened then that are not in that passage itself. And that's why any one passage has to be interpreted in light of the totality of the teaching of the rest of the Bible, or else we are sure to go astray. So what I want to do with you this morning is I want to just proceed forward in the Bible and see what the Bible itself says about this event and about how it's to be understood and about the declarations that are made with reference to it. Okay, so let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now this is 2 Samuel 7, so we're just going forward in time, all right? So 2 Samuel chapter 23 and David is done. He's dying, okay? He's just about to depart this earth. 2 Samuel 23, 1. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He that rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun rises, even the morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing up out of the earth by a clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God yet. Here it is, folks. He has made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure for this is all my salvation and my desire although he make it not to grow now there's a lot in verse 5 and we're not going to take the time to unpack the meaning of all those interesting and mysterious phrases but one thing that stands out on the plane on the face of it is David understood that God made a covenant with him and it, and it was an everlasting covenant and these weren't just some promises. God made lots of different promises to David. But David said of this statement that we just read in 2 Samuel 7, uh, 14 and following, uh, to 17, that that was a covenant. Okay. Now let's turn to Psalm 89. The book of Psalms, the 89th Psalm. 
In Psalm 89, this whole psalm, by the way, is about the Davidic covenant. So if you're inclined to write in your Bible, you could just write at the top of Psalm 89, the Davidic covenant. All right. It says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Now here it is, and this is our memory verse today, people. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Now, here's God speaking, and God said that back in first or second Samuel seven, when he said what he said to David, God says that was an oath sworn promise that constituted a covenant. So verses three and four make it crystal clear that this, this statement in chapter seven, verses 14 to 17 was the Davidic covenant because he quotes a part of it. Notice verse four. Uh, here's what he swore. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. So um, clearly God himself declares that he swore an oath at that time to David. And that's why David said in, um, in, in chapter um, uh, 23 that we just looked at that um, uh, he understood it to be a covenant. Remember David said in chapter 23 and verse 5, he says, God made with me an everlasting covenant. What was his justification for claiming that? Because he heard the oath sworn promise. Okay? It just wasn't recorded back then, but it was declared without any question in Psalm 89. Okay? Now, you're here in Psalm 89. Just hold your hand there. All right? And turn back to um, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And you'll notice, verse 16, 2 Samuel seven sixteen, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Okay. And now, Psalm 89, verse 4, Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. So this passage in Psalm 89 is looking directly back to that passage in chapter 7, in verses uh, 14 to 17, and saying of it, that was my oath-sworn promise. Okay? Now, let's keep looking further into Psalm 89. And you'll notice um, verse 20. In verse 20, it says, I have found David my servant, with my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established, my arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And so what we see here is he continues to talk about David. And then in verse 26, he says, well, let's just keep reading verse 23. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him and my name 
And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. That is from Jordan all the way to the Mediterranean Sea is going to be his kingdom. Okay, verse 26, he shall cry to me, thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Now, as we're going to see, in the Davidic covenant, there's a double fulfillment, just like there was in the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham had a literal son, Isaac, but he also had another son, Jesus. And who was the seed of Abraham? Was it Isaac or was it Jesus? Answer is it was both, right? Okay. So who's the son of David? Is it Solomon? You bet. But it's also Jesus because who is the firstborn of God? Jesus Christ, okay? So we begin to pick up as we go through these passages that all the Davidic covenant is made with David and his son and the lineage of sons that shall flow out of him. And it's fulfilled in Solomon and the sons that flowed out of Solomon and it's also fulfilled in Jesus and the sons that flow out of Jesus, which is us. And so when he says here, he shall cry unto me, thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Who is Jesus? He's king of kings and Lord of lords. He is over all of the kings of the earth. Now, David was never over all the kings of the earth, literally. He didn't rule the world. But his son, Jesus, who is the firstborn of God, actually, in fact, did. Now, this then helps us to understand uh, the nature of the Davidic covenant and the fact that we can now go back with confidence to 2 Samuel 7 verses 14 to 17, and look in that in detail and say, these are covenant promises, and this is what the covenant consists of, okay? Now, there's one other passage I want us to look at before we go back, and that is um, Psalm uh, 132. So just go over to Psalm 132. Now, in Psalm 132, once again, this psalm is about the Davidic covenant. So there's two psalms in the book of Psalms that are about the Davidic covenant, Psalm 89 and Psalm 132. You could just write at the top of each of those chapters, the Davidic covenant, okay? Psalm 132, verse 1, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up to my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Now you remember that, right? That was in verses 1 to 13. Well, actually verses 1 to 3 of, of 2 Samuel 7, where David says, I'm going to build a house for God. He's living in a tent. We can't have this. I'm living in a house of cedar. He's living in a tent. 
I'm going to build God a house. Verse 6, Lo, we heard of it at Ephrathah. We found it in the field of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Of course, by this time, the temple had been built, right? Um, Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou in the ark of thy strength. That is, God, move into the temple that we've built for you. Um, Verse 9, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. For the Lord has sworn in truth unto David. See, here's the oath sworn promise. He will not turn from it. Here's the promise of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Now, there is a conditional element in the Davidic covenant. And the conditional element relates to the physical bloodline descendants of David. And here it is. Verse 12. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. So, David, if your sons and your grandsons and your great-grandsons and your great-great-grandsons remain faithful to me, they'll, they'll, your dynasty will never end. Do you guys know what a dynasty is? A dynasty is a family um, rulership that goes on through the centuries by natural descent. So, if I was king and my son was king, and my grandson was king, and my great-grandson was king, that would be the donor dynasty, okay? And typically what happens to dynasties is they'll go through several generations, and then some usurper will come along and kill the king. He'll get to be king, and he'll start a dynasty with his descendants, right? So that's what dynasties are, okay? And so what God is saying to David is that you will never lack a son to sit on the throne of Israel if... Thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them. Now, we know that David's sons did sit on the throne for a long time. But eventually, they lost the throne. Because Israel went into captivity, right? Judah was conquered and carried away by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. And for 70 years, David had no son that was sitting on the throne. And then they came back to the land... And then they had uh, kings sitting on the throne and not sitting on the throne based on, you know, how how conquered they got during the period of the Maccabees, the 400 years uh, between the time of the restoration and the coming of Christ. But then what happened is the son of David, Jesus Christ, did ascend to the throne. And he's been on that throne ever since and will be there everlastingly. So there is an unconditional promise to David that his son will sit on the throne forever. And that unconditional promise is kept in the person of Jesus. But there's also a conditional promise regarding his physical sons that they'll sit on the throne forever too if they keep my commandments, which they didn't. Remember Manasseh was a horrible, evil son. 
and uh, the kingdom was lost because of him. Um, and Israel was carried away into captivity. Um, so, uh, but he wasn't the only evil one, obviously. But, you know, when Israel divided under Rehoboam, and, which was the, the son of Solomon, right, who was the son of David, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Remember, because of Rehoboam's um, lack of wisdom and his father Solomon's sins, the kingdom was divided, and, and the sons of David then sat on the throne of, of the southern kingdom in, in Jerusalem, where Judah and Benjamin was, and then there was kings in, in northern, what's called Israel, the northern ten tribes. And those kings were virtually all wicked. And the descendants of David were fundamentally good people with some bad ones interspersed in there. Okay, um, But there's this conditional element and this unconditional element. Now, had, had the sons of David been faithful they would have sat on the throne right up until the time Jesus was born. But they weren't. So there's that break. So this gives you then a framework from which to understand, for example, the rest of Psalm 89. Because the first half of Psalm 89 that we read is all about David and the promises of God to David and the glories of the Davidic kingdom. And then about in the middle of the psalm, the psalmist goes, but God, you've broken the Davidic covenant. We don't have a king on the throne anymore. Like, when are you going to, like, keep your covenant? And God didn't break the covenant. These people didn't fulfill the conditional part of it. They were focusing on the unconditional part. But there was a conditional part, too. So we're going to take up next time from where we left off. And uh, out of this framework, then, we're going to develop each of these themes and see who the, who, the, who the covenant was made with, what the terms of the covenants were, how they were fulfilled, and, of course, how they're ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus. All right? Okay, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to um, just be able to put all these pieces together and, and pull all these passages together so we can get the whole picture. Father, we know that... Uh, uh, all the truth regarding any one subject is not in just one passage. So, Lord, help us to just lay hold of, of all these passages and, and, and collate them together so that they all make uh, a comprehensive view of this teaching in your word. Thank you for our King, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he uh, sits on the throne of David forever and ever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Father, we're glad to be citizens of that kingdom and under the rule of that king. Father, may we be loyal and faithful. Give us grace to do so, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.